Hello and welcome to the 8th episode. I'm actually using a mic right now, so I hope that my voice is clear to everyone listening. The storm has passed here in our place and thankfully nothing but our malungay tree has been uprooted. So here's hoping that the next storm would be less, just less. Okay, so here is the part two of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, the rise of Studio Ghibli. Well, the start of Studio Ghibli. So last time we were talking about Nausicaa. I can't believe I made it so long. I'm sorry guys, I'm just a Ghibli fan sharing the joys of Ghibli. Before I go back to Nausicaa, anyway, I want to just really realize the fact that Miyazaki made this story and no matter how many times I watch it, I just cry. No joke. I just cry. Miyazaki has a lot of anti-war ideas and love for nature that just managed to exist in all of his works. Also her aircrafts, hence the many aircrafts dotting his films. Also the wind rises. I really just want to applaud the masterpieces that Ghibli made. I for one also love their non-fantasy or sci-fi fiction movies. My favorite being Whisper of the Heart. I'd say my fave is Graveyard of the Fireflies, but most of my memories of that movie is a blur of tears and snot. Yep. Just 100% cry. Okay, so going back to Nausicaa. I ended my episode last time with the crashed airship and burning heart. The director Hayao Miyazaki has put a lot of his ideas in this movie like I said. The movie is the start of an empire, a big story with bigger ideas that has become even to this day important. And also the signifier of change, just as Nausicaa's life changes in the movie with that Tolmachian airship. That morning, more aircrafts come destroying the landscape of the valley and bringing with them an army of Tolmachian soldiers and a conqueror princess clad in gold armor and white cape. In the ensuing conflict, the villages are captured and Nausicaa's father Jill dies. The scene of his death isn't shown. The mm, ambiguous in what really happened whether he fought back or was killed before he could it didn't really matter because what did was his death that's what mattered the most in that scene and boy was nausicaa no disney princess in that instant consumed by anger and sorrow nausicaa attacks and kills several tomacan soldiers in her frenzy it was an intense moment broken only by the arrival of lord yupa he stops her and he the approaching armored soldiers. It was a bucket of ice to Nausicaa when she sees how she hurt Yupa and become became so unhinged in her rage. This is where we met. We meet Princess Shana from Tolmekia. It's easy to hate her character just as it is easy to hate the bugs in the sea of decay. But this is what makes Ghibli movies so great. It is easy to hate her, but she's not an antagonist or precisely in the wrong. Kshana wants unity from everyone to be taken under Tolmekian leadership. It's a conqueror's agenda always. 
Anyway, always. She wants to use the giant warriors, beating heart to launch an attack against the deadly surroundings. She wants humanity to flourish, unafraid of threats. The thing is, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. It's an age-old march. She's been warned, but Kushana is also determined. Despite again by the fact that to attack the forest is to enrage, enrage domes, she is ready for war. The complete opposite of the Pegite princess. By the end, Nausicaa allows herself to be taken hostage to spare her people as the Tolmecan occupy their land to allow the reconstruction of the giant god warrior. Now, we know of three princesses in the story. Nausicaa from the valley, Kushana from the Tolmecans, and Lastel of the Pegites, the dead princess's name. So, three young women determined and unmovable from their own goals. As night falls over the valley, Yupa finds a distraught Nausicaa in a secret lab. Remember those samples from the start of the movie that she took? The little spores? Yep, those were in the lab. But before we get into more of that, let's have a little break. Nausicaa has a garden of them. This um, spores, this fungi from the toxic forest. She's right there, smack in the middle, crying, surrounded and unmasked, unharmed. She's a budding scientist first and foremost, but she also has one vital information that changes the whole course of the story, the plot. The Sea of Decay is only deadly because the existing earth made it so. Nausicaa is distraught over it, of course. The only reason toxic forest is deadly is because the land is still polluted, even the valley itself. The samples that Nausicaa has only grows harmless due to the fact that she took clean water and sand from the deep wells of the valley's windmills. In the end, she shut it down. Something that isn't easy for her, of course, because the main reason she has this lab is to find out what is the truth of the Sea of Decay and if she, ca- she can find something to cure her village's men who also traverse the land and probably get in contact with it. It's a statement. It's a very bold and obvious statement that runs in Nausicaa and several other Ghibli films. So if the Sea of Decay, the toxic forest, isn't truly toxic, is it even an antagonist at this point? When the reason it is so is because of the pollution still present in the earth which has also been the fault of humanity? How though can you condemn the whole of humanity over it when it's still being punished in Nausicaa's generation and probably those to come. Okay, so that's one of the questions there. It's a prevalent question, honestly. So Nausicaa boards the Tolmecan 
aircraft along with some of the other villagers unwilling to let their princess be alone those older men the same generation as, as her father and Lord Yupa who not only see Nausicaa as their princess but also their daughter or grandchild depending on who you're talking to okay now I love the next scene because the attack on the airship comes from above obscured by the bright flare of glare of the sun a red pagite gunship swoops down to decimate the larger aircrafts red airship it's aggressive in color and like the ohm when angry it is just a striking red that's just in your eye it is fabulous you'll find that a lot of colors hold so much meaning in every scene and it's amazing anyway only Nausicaa gets the pilot to stop because Asabel the pilot sees his twin sister Lastel in Nausicaa as she shouts at him to stop in the end his ship is shut down shot down but so is the ship Nausicaa is in as Nausicaa and her fellow villager attempt to escape, Kushana follows them. Nausicaa stares at her, still in armor, backed by flames and smirking. Kushana expected to be threatened, maybe die or threaten the other princess to be able to survive and also escape with, with them. She certainly didn't expect Nausicaa to tell her to hop on. Even the older villager didn't want Shana on board, but he respected Nausicaa to know what she's doing. So off they go. Let's fast forward a little. Nausicaa saves the other villagers that came with her too. They're riding their own aircraft that's bogged down by baggages and quickly falling into a nest of giant bugs in the toxic forest. As she saves them, Nausicaa smiles and removes her own gas mask to help them see to see this confident smile of hers. And so their trust is in their survival is renewed. <clears throat> Compare this to Kushana's men. Who follow her clearly but also are not hesitant to take command when she was assumed dead when they were gunned down again in contrast to the pejite men who believe their way is the only way to and fight to ensure their survival and for revenge now that lastel is gone though it seems a lot like a flimsy excuse too so many are just spoiling for a fight in this movie so the aircraft lands in the lake where a nest is located. Kushana tries to scare them all with a gun, but even as she as the villagers are angry, Nausicaa remains calm. Probably she knows that being calm is the only way out of this. Especially with hundreds, even thousands I think, of giant bugs 
flying above their heads, angry and wanting to attack. This is when the ohms appear, curious about the disturbance and touching Nausicaa with the golden, with their golden tendrils. Kind of like this really weird arm tentacles for them, I think. So it triggers a flashback where in Nausicaa, Nausicaa's golden haste memories, they are marching somewhere. Nausicaa rides with her father and beside them, beside her, right, beside them, her mother is riding her own horse. So multiple hands try to reach her as she protects a baby ohm shade in the hollow base of a tree. Again, there's a lot of symbolism I'm seeing here. In, Shin in Shinto, even a tree inhabited by spirits is inhabited by spirits. This are Japanese beliefs that this parts of nature to be alive every part to be alive the baby Om can be seen as a tree spirit protected by Nausicaa and the multiple hands the many goals demand and expectation of humanity or society as a whole it's it's a big like tree like thing like this many many hands pulling her wanting her to do something about it and then the baby ohm is taken away and the flashback ends with Nausicaa crying as a child in the golden field of grass meanwhile Kushana also seems to be frozen solid scared she didn't seem to be such a fierce conqueror now with her vacant gaze and shaking limbs. The gun is taken away as Nausicaa flies away on her glider to save Asbel, whom she discovers when the Ohms touch her is alive and getting the insects more angry. Before she leaves though, she says to her people that they should live, leave. Although they gave in an allotted time, so if she doesn't return in that allotted time for their safety, they should leave the forest. She saves as well, but ends up falling with him in a quicksand at the bottom of the forest. Her, the glider, and Asbel fall, and with this, the others have to return to the valley since she passed a lot of time being unconscious in that the villagers all believe her alive though and didn't want to leave but they still followed her orders back to the village yupa wants to prevent the resurrection of the god warrior its heart had been found underneath pegite and i well thus because of it the tolmakians had taken Lastal hostage and now with it in the valley things were getting tricky the god war was an abomination to them though a taboo but, but as it is getting 
but as it's getting resurrected, the God Warrior, well, it looked like a baby, basically. It was encased in what looked like a placenta, like a womb. It's beating heart, a drum. One of Kushana's main men was smirking. It was an, an opportunity for him now that Kushana is gone to rise in ranks, of course. And as he left, he ordered for the men to go to arms, basically. Yupa left it. I can't help but go back to that scene though, that the god warrior didn't just feel like a weapon in that scene, it felt like a child, unknowing of the outside world and now about to be used in a futile war. It's like, it's the sentiment, you know, well, it's basically saying that in a war, it's not the older generation that's just going to be the victim. It's the younger generation too. The future generation that's going to be used as soldiers, maybe even cannon for fathers. So, Kushana returns with the other men, the villagers to the valley, and is then imprisoned by Yupa and others, which is very understandable. She then reveals her secret. Beneath the shiny golden exterior of her armor are missing limbs and scars caused by the bugs in their land. At this point, Shana is someone you could sympathize with. She's painfully human. Just as Nausicaa is scared of her anger and Lastel is scared of the god warrior, so is Shana scared of these giant insects that have caused her harm, torn her apart and the enroaching sea of decay that threatens humanity. Beneath the perfect exterior is something painfully imperfect and she's determined even with all of that. But we'll get to that more after a little break. Okay, so on the other side of the globe, Nausicaa wakes up. She's with Asbel and they discover that below the toxic forest is a white paradise. Clean and pure, a new world that the sea of decay has purified of the pollution in most of the lands ravaged by it. Lights pick through and white sands fall like snow. The both of them decide to head after that discovery it's not a new discovery that the sea of decay like I said needs clean water and sand or soil to grow but to know that it purifies the land of pollution that's an entire ball game. I didn't 
you could expect from Miyazaki actually if you have seen his other movies but also it adds to the depth of the sea of decay it adds to the mystery so the two of them finally head out to Pejite, the second faction in the story in the war all the while more conflict has risen in the valley where spores have spread and they had to burn the forest down lest they all die it's them versus nature at this point in the valley so the scenes go back and forth as Nausicaa is also captured by the Pajite men when she wants to warn the valley that the Pajite have orchestrated a stampede home attack to it just like what they had done to their own kingdom to drive out the Tolmikian regardless of the innocent lives that will no doubt be lost. In the end, with the help of the woman and Aspel, Nausicaa escapes with her glider wearing a pink dress that was given to her since her own was very much, how do you call this, recognizable. So she reaches the valley again with the help of one villager as Yupa helps the remaining Pejite from the attacking Tolmakans. The villagers, meanwhile, have been backed into the, an old pre-apocalyptic vehicle. Kushana has escaped too. At this point, they're all waiting for Nausicaa, as both Kushana and the villagers believe her alive. The wind has stopped though, and the rage of the ohms are in the air. Now there are sides to the conflict, three of them to be exact. First is the Pejite, the Tolmakan, and those people of the valley. But Nausicaa subverts and ignores this conflict for the baby Ohm being used as a bait for the stampede. Its hurt body dangled by a flying Pejite vehicle above the acid lake. She saves the Ohm but it's ag- angry and hurt and wants to go to the stampede. Kushana, on the other side of the lake, sees the stampede and as her men run, she fetches the incomplete god warrior to fight and decimate the Ohm. It looks at her for guidance and she orders it to attack. It's useless. It crumbles in the end and the Ohm are more enraged at the attack to them. Nausicaa's pink dress, meanwhile, is now being stained a deep blue of the Ohm's blood. She's hugging it basically to stop it from going to the acid lake and further aggravating its wounds. Subsequently, aggra- aggravating her own wounds that she got from saving the baby Ohm. Two princesses with different methods Kushana and Nausicaa. Nausicaa at the end hurts herself saving the Ohm. It stops pushing her and even heals her. The people now huddling in the giant vehicle expect to die. They don't. Nausicaa sacrifices herself to bring the baby home to the stampede and they come, those red eyes turning blue one by one slowly. She dies in a blue dress and surrounded by the ohms who slowly touch her 
with their golden tendrils. Tendrils. They held her up to the sky, the wind once again blowing. Masika is resurrected atop golden fields and wearing blue robes. Yep, she's basically the chosen one. She is the chosen one in the prophecy. Harry Pop joking. Okay, so she's the chosen one. But what's interesting is how she became the so-called chosen one. Her kindness and love to the Om are the key. I firmly believe anyone could have been chosen could have been the chosen one among humanity. The only thing you need to show was sympathy and kindness. It was basically in that visual storytelling I was talking about the last episode. When Nausicaa uh, hugged the baby Om to say to stop it from going further into the acid lake, she so showed sympathy, empathy. That's basically anything a human could do. Note, Masika's robe wouldn't have turned blue if she didn't try to help the baby own or stop it from rushing to a stampede. In the end, her being a chosen one wasn't really prophesized but all due to a choice. You can call it self-fulfilling prophecy at this point but I'm not sure. That's all actually for my analysis. That's two episodes of deep dive in Nausicaa. Anyway, among other things, Nausicaa, like I said in the last episode too, has a continuation in the manga. Miyazaki, well, he took the story further into darker roots that I really want to read. And there's a kabuki play, from what I know, that also goes on for six full hours that spans the whole manga. I'm sure the, ho- the whole thing is amazing. I just really can't buy it or I haven't seen any platforms with it. I'm not sure. But anyone can enjoy Nausicaa. It's one of the perfect starts to give me. It speaks of their choices and how much Ghibli is infused with the directors, the animators' visions and storylines. So that's all for today and I hope you guys listen again to the next episode, hopefully. It's the Nausicaa is the beginning of film legacies that will be talked about and impart important lessons to every viewer. The movie is amazing. Like I said, I hope you watch it. So bye. Oh wait, before I actually forget, the reason that um I'm making this only once a week in updating or in new content is because that I've been a little bit busy. Some things in school and some things that I have I want to do at work, hopefully. So, yeah.
but again thank you for for everyone listening i hope you listen again again this is the final one bye and see you next friday